This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking John Wick, colon, chapter 3, dash, Parabellum. Tick-tock, Mr. Wick. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe. Well, he's he's on assignment. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back to the other fun movie topics. This is episode 363. 363. I know, right? It's one of those numeric palindromes. But this week we're talking John Wick, colon, chapter 3, dash, Parabellum. Deep breath, or yeah. one of two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The third chapter, given that's obvious, it says chapter three in the title, the third chapter of the John Wick series. And uh, joining us tonight, you've already heard him, from Forbes, not much of a dog person, it's Scott Mendelson. Cats rule, dogs drool, that's why a dog's perfect, mom. Or also, dog's journey, excuse me. Also joining us, out in human North Carolina, he considers doing this podcast a professional courtesy, it's Alan Aguilera. Yeehaw, how we doing everybody? That's more yeah, it's really Texas. It's more Texas. Never mind. Anyway, hey, everybody. How are you doing? <laughs> and lastly, for Movie Bill, he's checked into one of the finest rooms on the Continental. It's Silas Lesnick. How's it going? I actually have a Continental bathrobe. There, there you go. <laughs> uh, glad to have you guys here. How are all of you doing tonight? I'm good. Doing well. Yeah. 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 Good. <laughs> it's all, always good for everybody. Something we can all agree on. Yeah. There we I'm go. Doing, you know what? I'm doing pretty wicked. Doing okay. good. Now you're in Boston? Is that you're wicked? I mean, I'm on the East Coast, so technically I'm closer to Boston than anybody. Fair enough. It works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alan, good to have you back on the show as always. Yep. Uh, always good to have you here, Scott. Good to get you as well. And of course, Silas. It's been a it's been a minute since we had you on the show, but glad to have you back yeah. on. I'm happy to be back. Good. Well, I, I look forward for all of us to talk about uh, John Wick later. But let's get to some uh, let's get to some show notes real quick. Uh, first up. Uh, new commentary track. We each week on out now we do a commentary track, and this month in honor of the upcoming Godzilla King of the Monsters. More on that in a second. We did a commentary track for the original Godzilla, the 1954 classic from director Ishiro Honda. Uh, that's up on iTunes now. That was a lot of fun to record with Brandon and Yancey, so uh, feel free to check that out. That's on which iTunes version? The the 19 the Japanese classic, <laughs> not not the uh, not the Godzilla comma King of the Monsters exclamation point starring uh, Raymond Burr. But in fact, yes. but yes, the, I see. Yes, the the fifty four version. So the which is our first foreign language, like non English native language uh, commentary track. Actually, we've been doing a foreign film before, but uh, no, that was a good one. That was a lot of fun. We got a lot into into the franchise a lot too, as well, not just the specific movie. But that's on iTunes. And speaking of which, you can find all their episodes on iTunes, where you can also give us a rating and review. You can give us a uh, written review and a star rating. That'd be that'd be great. That'd help out the show. So thank you in advance. And let's see what else. The Summer Gamble is currently going. Alan and Scott, you guys are both in the Summer Gamble. Yeah, we are. Not anymore. <laughs> so, some of us may have been a little lofty in our Detective Pikachu predictions, but um, regardless, uh, John, we are we are talking about our John our our John Wick this week, which I don't think many of us had as a prediction, but it opened to what did it open to this weekend, Scott? Fifty-seven million dollars, which is more or less. I mean, I don't want to get an old box office thing, but yeah, real. There was no way predicting that kind of jump from the second one after the second one doubled the first one would have been professional malpractice. Mm -hmm. I would have had the studio on my butt in a heartbeat. Yeah, because other than Captain America and Toy Story, which had 11 years and 3D and you know inflation, all that jazz, 
there has never been a trilogy that went up by this much each franchise installment in a row. Hmm. Well, that's a... <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I, I was doing the numbers on, I guess it was Friday when I was, uh, it's like I, I, I couldn't find any comparisons other than Lethal Weapon. Yeah, Lethal Weapon. That's that. Lethal Weapon's like that, the one. Yeah, because it went up, uh, it went from seven million to twenty million to thirty-three million. Well, that's, yeah. Even that was sixty-five percent in the third one, which is amazing. But this did like eighty-eight percent with really no added elements other than maybe Halle Berry as the added value element. Otherwise, it was just another John Wick movie. Just sheer good word of mouth from the franchise and Keanu Reeves yeah. in general. Well, that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, well, we'll get back to that more in, uh, in about 20 or so minutes when we get to the movie review. But what else? Yeah, that's it for show notes. Let's move on. Let's get to some Noverbody, where each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, better get to know no. everybody. Bye. Thank you, Alan, <laughs> for humoring me on this. No, this is my job. I really don't have much to say other than to help you out. Okay. I'm your flavor flavor to your Chuck D, is what I'm saying. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. What time is it? I just wanted to see if Alan would lift up his giant clock and tell me what time it was. Um, oh, give me a minute. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's 11 I, You know, it's not digital. I'm not used to it anymore. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all yeah. analog. Um, I have a question for you guys. What assassin do you team up with to help you out? What uh, what cinematic assassin do you team up with? Honestly, John Wick can't seem to lose. I would not team up with John Wick, though, because he tends to lose people close to him. Yeah, uh, you're right. He's going to be fine, but I am probably not. <laughs> well, like, uh, Mr. Uh, Bean. Mr. Bean is yeah. Yeah, yeah. Johnny English. Yeah, Johnny English works, too, but I want Mr. Bean. He won't say anything, really. <laughs> it'll be great. Like, if I accidentally kill someone with, like, a coffee bean, it'll be great. It'll be, like, an exact accidental assassin. Done. Um, or uh, Aaron Eckhart from Thank You to Thank You for Smoking. He kills people. What about uh, d- d- does Diabolic from Danger Diabolic? Does he does he actually kill anyone? Because he's just cool and he's got that underwater base. I mean, it's not the worst suggestion. I would say I, I put that in there. Uh, oh, you I mean, know what? You know what? Antonio Banderas and assassins. Banderas and assassins. Yeah. I mean, that guy won't shut up, though. That's my problem with him. Like, he's sitting in the window. He's alive, so that's great. He's sitting in the window. He's got a shot at Stallone. He's like, I'm going to keep talking, though. I'm going to talk about how I got you finally. Like, it's, you know. My thought is uh, Leon, the professional. It seems like he cares. That's the thing. Like, he's, he's, he has a code that he seems to follow pretty, pretty, pretty well. And, like, he, Silas, you made a good point as far as who's going to keep me alive during this. Looking at a, think, thinking of a number of people here, it's like, eh, for one thing, most of these guys are loners. That's part of the job. But also... Yeah, there seems to be a lot of like, eh, someone got winged in this. It's not my problem. Yeah. Actually, in that sense, do we count Ethan Hunt as a wet worker? No. We'd say, okay, I'd say like, like Henry Cavill's more of the assassin, if you want to yeah, but, he, but he'll let me die. Ethan Hunt will, you know, basically turn back time to save my life because boo hoo, I mean, it is such. Yeah, but he's not a paid contract killer. I mean, yeah. that's, 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 where, that's where that's the point. <laughs> What about what about Eric Bana's team from Munich? I mean, th- does that work? As or... what's his like Matthew? That would be Kasevitz. a barrel of laughs. As Matthew 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 Kasevitz or Siren Han, one of them points out, it's like we none of the plans go to like actually work out the way they want them to. Yeah, that's my life too, man. Like, yeah, okay. And it's like, I grew up in Southern California, and now I'm very happy in North Carolina. We don't know how life is going to work out. 
Fair enough. But they're using like bombs that aren't going off at the right time or they're too big. Like John Cusack's character from Gross Point Blank would probably be fun to hang out with. I don't know why that didn't even occur to me given that it's my favorite movie. (laughs) It makes so much sense to me. It's like, yeah. Seems to have things under control. All right. I think we've we've done this one enough. Uh, All right. With that all out of the way, that's how you play. No, everybody. No, everybody. All right. Let's move on. Let's get now. Now, quickies. Team. Each week out now, we have one movie of the week that we talk about. Well, we love this week. That was all good. I'm a quickie. Team. I sped up. I moved fast as I as I went along. That's what I was going for. Uh, Alan, let's start with you. Have you seen any other movies recently? Uh, no. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Deadwood to get ready for the movie. Okay. Yeah, and I no, I haven't seen. I, like the last thing I saw was a uh, Endgame. Were you were you a fan of Deadwood before it was coming back, or is this your first time watching? My first time watching it, and I'm like, and because I'm, I've just been on the Ian McShane kick because Winston just seems like an evolution of Swearingen from Swearingen from Deadwood. I'm like, I love this. I love this show. I can't wait. So and every I, time, and, and obviously we all can't stop talking about Ian McShane and Hellboy. Oh yeah, <laughs> like mon- big monologues for a million dollar paychecks. It's just that's his thing. I love it. Yeah. He loves it. So yeah, I'm still talking about Ian McShane and Kings. <laughs> Kings oh, is a good Hobbit. show. That was that's where I know the win, the Winter Soldier from Sebastian Stan. I know him from Kings. That was that was the show right I found out about that guy. One season canceled. Shame. Silas, how about you? What other movies have you seen recently? Um, I saw Ma, and uh, I Ooh. I was surprised at how much I liked it. Um, it's it's a real like grindhouse throwback. Good to know, given that. Bloomhouse is like, we're going to show you trailers for Ma all the time. I am actually pretty excited to see Ma. It just looks like fun. But uh, good to know that it delivers. And then I, I just watched a, a movie called uh, The Brain from 1988. That just got uh, a Scream Factory release, right? Yes. You know, I Scream Factory is, is sends me a lot of stuff, which I'm really grateful for. They didn't send me that one, but it was on sale on Amazon. And I, I was reading the plot and I was like, this is worth a blind buy. And uh, it definitely was. What's the, What's the plot of The Brain? It's you know it came out the same year as uh, uh, they live and it's it's a very similar uh, the media is evil and they're controlling us through television and there's this giant evil brain that looks sort of like a Mad Balls uh, that has taken over a TV show and everyone's watching the show and uh, there's this one sort of like troublemaking kid but he's really smart and they send him off to this place to to deal with his his uh, troubled nature. And he realizes that it's controlled by the brain and has to to fight it off. Uh, but it it has a lot of just fun practical effects, and uh, it's it's a weird movie. Uh, it's it was really fun. All right, because I, I, I have seen the I saw the Screen Factory release, but I, looking at the covers, like oh, I like this, <laughs> just like this weird little <laughs> little guy with teeth. Yeah, apparently it it was was popular just in the like. VHS market. It was oh, it was sure. a movie that more people I think saw the VHS cover than actually saw the movie. Yeah, even I like to talk about this on the show a lot. Like movies we grew up with seeing the cover of in mom and pop video shops, as opposed to not seeing, but just like seeing that or like Dead Alive or Tommy Knockers. They just like have these these video covers where you're like. I don't know what that is, but I'm intrigued by it. <laughs> I'll never watch it, maybe. But like, that, that's where all my nightmares it. came from as children, is exactly. just walking down the, the horror aisle and, mm-hmm. and realizing... I, I feel like actually seeing the movies made me not 
be as afraid. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it doesn't live up to whatever you came up with your mind on what's going on in like the Dead Alive poster where there's like a tiny skull coming out of a mouth. Oh, and the ghoulies. The ghoulies has another one. Yeah, of course. The ghoulies. The baby coming out of the toilet was horrible. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Scott, how about you? What other movies have you seen recently? I saw Rocket Man last night with Harlan Williams. Uh, oh, gross! Sorry, I just—I figured it was a joke. I didn't hear what you said. Uh, yes, um, <laughs> no, it's said, fine. Oh, okay, so the Elton John it's, one. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, the Elton John. It's fine. It's it's very good when it's a musical. I would say it's it's a weird situation in that it's certainly more LGBTQIA friendly than Bohemian Rhapsody, and it, it's not quite as walk hardy as Bohemian Rhapsody, but it's not nearly as pulsive, energetic filmmaking. Okay. It's good, but it's, 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 it's like, you know, you know, if you want to, you know, apples and oranges maybe, but, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody was a bad movie done well. Well, I think to a certain extent, Rocket Man is a, is a better, more sincere effort that just doesn't feel quite as lively. Okay, I can understand. Um, it's fine. Uh, I like Booksmart a lot. It's Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. It's very off the cuff funny. Uh, I don't think it's a million laughs, but it's you'll be smiling more often than not. The characters are strong, the actors are good. One thing that stuck out about the film is that unlike most high school movies that I've seen, basically every character is nice, and they use the fact that everybody, you know, the characters in the film aren't aggressively hostile or mean or antagonistic mm-hmm. as a way to you know as a way to build a comedy. So it, it does, in that sense, it sort of marches to the beat of its own drummer. That's something that's refreshing, actually, given like all the standard bully type characters that yeah. maybe just wave my hand in the air and think, okay, come on. And let's see, uh, obviously John Wick. Um, I think that's it. All right. Yeah. I've seen a couple things I want to make note of. I I can't talk about Godzilla yet because that's coming weeks, but I will say that my lovely girlfriend and I did get to go to the premiere, which was a ton of fun, and I will just note that she was a fan of the movie. Just put that out there. <laughs> um, we'll get to my thoughts later on. What else? I saw Trial by Fire. Uh, this is the new Edward Zwick movie. You wouldn't know it because I, I didn't realize there was a new Edward Zwick movie coming out until I got this invite for this screening. I was like, oh, he's got a movie. Uh, this one... This one features uh, Jack O'Connell and Laura Dern. It's based off a true story about Cameron Todd Willingham, a man who was sentenced, he got the death sentence for supposedly burning his three children alive in Texas. Things happen uh, over time that show that he probably didn't do this thing, but the film is about the kind of the journey this character goes on in prison and the nature of the death penalty and stuff of that nature. Uh, there is a good movie to be told here. I just don't think this is a very good one to have done it. Jack O'Connell, I think, is a very talented actor. He's been good in other prison movies. He's great in this movie, Start Up, which I'm a big fan of. And Laura Dern's quite good in this movie. But Edward Zwick, I don't know what's going on, but it's been a while since I feel like I've seen a good Edward Zwick film. Um, he just kind of sits back and just lets the actors do their thing it doesn't add much. There's not much to add to the conversation about the death penalty. There's nothing going on to make the story more interesting than just kind of a standard docudrama. So it's a bit of a shame because I think there's a, there was a better movie that could have been made from this, based off this person. So there's that. And I'll also note See You Yesterday, which, Scott, I think you saw also. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, this is the Netflix film. Um, it's a time travel movie. It's produced by Spike Lee. It focuses on 
two smart high school kids uh, that figure out time travel, essentially. And it combines that kind of, gee whiz, it's time travel with, of all things, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> um, as far as uh, dealing with uh, unarmed black people getting shot and how time travel can be kind of used in a way to deal with this issue. Uh, I think it has some problems, um, but at like 87 minutes on Netflix, it's one of the better Netflix movies that has come out. And I just, it's just, it's handled quite well. And being produced by Spike Lee, the director, Stefan Bristol, I can see the influence. There's, there's a couple, there's some shots, there's some use of music, there's just some, the look of this thing, which is, I would assume is a fairly inexpensive movie, but just the way it's handled, you can see that influence there, which I think was, uh, was good. I, I, it worked out well. Yeah, I, 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 as someone that's constantly complaining about the overall quality of Netflix originals, this is a good one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's the yesterday. That's on Netflix now. And with all that, so that's out now. Quickies. Tim. Thank you. Let's move on now. Let's get to our one of our. Uh, let's get to our trailer talk. Where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week. What we thought of it when it's coming out. What have you? This week we're talking Angel Has Fallen, the tr- the new the third chapter in the Mike Banning Has Fallen trilogy. Obviously, we've all been looking forward to this third chapter of the Has Fallen series. Um, it stars, once again, Gerard Butler as Secret Service agent Mike Banning, who has protected the president twice, Aaron Eckhart's president twice, and now he's protecting Morgan Freeman, who's ascended to the role of president. But an assassination attempt uh, puts Mike in jeopardy because he's been framed for being the one to go after the president. And things happen for it gets crazier from there. What, whatever. Let's let's uh, Scott. Let's start. I want to start with you because you and I we saw Olympus has fallen back in what 2013. Yes. And we had a ball of a time with how maliciously violent it was. And now we're you know two chapters in. What do you think of this trailer for this thing? I think it looks like a more conventional picture, for better or worse. Um, on the other hand, it certainly seems to be moving away from the somewhat cartoonishly jingoistic villainy that sort of defined the first two chapters um, for better or worse, mostly for better, but nonetheless, I think it looks fine. I'm curious to see to what extent it plays as a riff on Taken 3, which was also a threequel, which had the main character move sort of from a, I'm going to protect you from something bad that's coming to, uh oh, something bad happened. Everybody thinks I did it. Obviously, Taken 3 is not a good movie, but nonetheless. It's a terrible movie, some would say. Especially me. <laughs> I was going for dry understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks fine. Um, I think it feels like a smaller scale movie, if only because, you know, just from what we see, the only recognizable characters are Morgan Freeman and, uh, you know, Gerard Butler. Um, although, uh, uh, Jada Pickett Smith is in there briefly, and. If the trailers are accurate, Danny Houston is probably the bad guy. I was, the second it said, and Danny Houston, I was like, oh, so he's the bad guy? Like, I didn't yeah, even yeah. recall seeing him in the movie. I was just like, oh. There was a brief shot of him looking menacing. Okay. You know, I, I think on one hand, this is a franchise whose time has passed, especially if they're going to somewhat tone down the things that make it unique. You know, the violence, the carnage. Yes, the xenophobia. But, you know, I, I thought the second film was wildly inferior to the first one. Yet it made an absolute killing overseas. So, you know, that's the reason we have this one. All right. Uh, I think it looks fine. Okay. Silas, where, where are you standing the the Has Fallen series in, in this trailer? It's it's never really been my, my favorite franchise. Um, I, I think the first one is is 
fine. It it, it felt like it was this weird like it, it hit right before White House Down, which probably would have been a bigger hit if Olympus had fallen hadn't come out. Like it's the rare case where the sort of smaller movie took the attention from what was supposed to be the bigger one. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really need a sequel, and it, I, I'm not sure it needs a third film. Um, <laughs> but I, I do, I guess on on one level, like the idea of trilogies. So maybe it'll wrap up all the loose threads from the uh, Has Fallen universe. I I think one of the troubles with the franchise is um, something surely we'll talk about with John Wick, uh, something we see with like Fast and Furious. People like franchises that get sillier. And this almost seems to be going the opposite direction. It, It almost seems like a more toned down political thriller type movie. And like, I, I want like, like Luna has fallen and it takes place on the moon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, heaven has fallen. I mean, this is just clearly the, the step down before you get bigger again, much like the <laughs> fast and furious films. So. That's true. <laughs> they took a sidestep to Tokyo before they're like, all right, we're getting the gang back together to take on the, the, the border at Mexico with fast and furious. I'm getting my head on myself. So, so you're, you're just, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, how about you, Alan? Where, where are you with, with this? <laughs> I didn't know there was a second one. <laughs> um, I knew the first one came out because I wanted to go see White House Down instead, and I liked that enough. Yeah, we can call it the Superior White House Down. That's just a better way to phrase it. Yeah, yeah Superior White House Down. I'm like, this is fun. Whatever. This is cool. This is I, this is fine. And then I didn't hear about it until this trailer played before John Wick. I'm like, huh? Okay. I mean, whatever. If, if yeah, I'll catch it on Showtime or something later. Um, but like, I, yeah, I have no interest. So I didn't. Was Morgan Freeman in the other ones too, or is he yes, just? He's, he's yeah. like, what is he, Secretary of State or Speaker of the House it's or something? Promoted each time. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, he fails okay. upwards. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, it's like House of Cards. He goes from random government person to president by season three. Oh, I mean, I just bought that he was. I thought it was a Deep Impact trailer for a minute, but uh, that's what I'm thinking right yeah, here. I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity to bridge those two universes, the Deep Impact universe and the Has universe. If this took place in the Deep Impact universe, I would be so excited. That brings you <laughs> like, one step I'll... closer to that's... Lunar Has Fallen. <laughs> yes. That's the yeah, cliffhanger. Like... He, comes, he speaks in front of the nation, goes, the comet is still a-coming. Yeah, it's true. It's actually Gerard Butler who finds the coordinates, and at his dying breath, he crawls to Elijah Wood's cabin. It's like, look in the sky, and then credits. So it's Geostorm. <laughs> Talking about Geostorm. Now. It's almost Geostorm. Like, oh man, yeah. best movies. Yeah, okay. Um, I do like Gerard Butler's like career, just making really dumb, heightened B-level movies. So uh, this isn't surprising, but I'm probably not going to go see it. My only issue with Gerard Butler's like choice to p- keep pursuing this type of thing is that he's not going full Arnold, as in he's not just keeping the Scottish accent and inexplicably explaining it any time. Like it's just you know he's just always doing this bad American accent. I'd prefer yeah, it. I mean, I preferred if he just kept his like his his Scottish brogue, and and but like never never explained that he had it. It just like happens to be there. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but the same like Arnold, where it's like we don't need to question that he's Austrian. He could just be the police chief in an Arizona town. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, perhaps this is obvious, but he's a better actor when he's not top trying to do an American accent the entire time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. That's why he's great in Gods of Egypt. <laughs> yeah. He's great in the How to Train Your Dragon films. Well, no, he was pretty uh, great in Den of Thieves. Well, yeah, but that, yeah, Den of Thieves, of course. But yeah, oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> so I think I said this. I, I'm not, I can't recall. My dad watched Den of Thieves, and he's like, I mean, 
Because I told him it's like it's like Heat. It's just like a bad version. And he's like, yeah. you know, you're right. And the action's good, but Gerard Butler, he needed to tone it down. That, that made me laugh. Like that was his reaction. It's like, Gerard Butler, he needs to tone it down. He needs to be subtle like Al Pacino. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I um, have no real different thoughts about this as far as what you guys are saying. Like, it's like, all right, yeah, there's another one of these. I will say, while, yes, it does seem like it's toning down a key aspect of these movies as far as malicious violence and with that kind of goes in line with a nasty xenophobic streak, I can't, like, that worked once. Uh, it didn't work twice because I really disliked when London Has Fallen. I thought that was one of the worst movies of the year. So... I guess I'm on board with the idea of not doing that again. <laughs> so I just kind of, I kind of hope that it does pay off. And Silas, if you're talking about like crazy stuff, yes, I would say it's not like going super hardcore with let's get crazy. But when Nick Nolte shows up, it's like his, <laughs> his grizzled father. I was like, that's pretty crazy. Yes. I'm into this. I'm into that idea. Like, Maybe I, then there can be a, uh, a prequel that's about a younger Nick Nolte in his days <laughs> fixing something that has presumably fallen. Well, yeah, we have to fan cast this right away. Robert Pattinson's taken, obviously. Who do we fan cast as young Nick Nolte? <laughs> I just want him to be digitally D8. No, so okay, still... never mind. Yeah, no, right. just still have him look like Nick Nolte. Millennium <laughs> spending money to digitally de something would be the greatest special effect since <laughs> the end of The Mummy Returns. <laughs> I, I now want to see that, just to see how awful it will look. I like the idea that he wouldn't shave the beard either, so they have to, like, digitally remove it from his face. Like Henry Cavill. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That worked out well. Nobody complained about that. Didn't even know it was happening until it was too late. That's, that's, the, that's the cinematic legacy that movie left behind, right? So, never stop being funny. With, with all that out of the way, Angel has fallen her eyes in theaters August 23rd, just in time for the end of the summer. So yeah, let's uh let's move on now. Let's get to our let's get to our main review for John Wick: colon, Chapter Three Dash Parabellum. You shouldn't be here. Nice suit. Good to see you too. I need your help. After this, we are less than even. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. Would you help set the mood for our new guest? Let us begin. Our services still off limits to me. What do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Audiences were stunned by John Wick in 2014. More than just a standard action flick of a big star, the Keanu Reeves assassin flick combined well-filmed action choreography with a unique world that would go on to be explored in the 2017 follow-up. Now we have Chapter 3, Parabellum, which picks up right where the last film left off. John is now excommunicado from the organization that manages the Continental Hotel and all the assassin perks that come with it. Looking to get out, get safety, and get a hold of someone who can help solve his current predicament, John will have to travel far and wide to seek out old acquaintances while dealing with the bounty of assassins who all want a chance at taking out the legendary John Wick. Silas, let's start with you. Where have you been with the John Wick franchise? What, you th what are some brief thoughts on the first two films, and then what did you think of Chapter 3? I loved the first film. Um, I liked the second film even more. Uh, I, I remember when the second film came out, 
there was sort of this weird like like I, I got to interview the directors uh chad Slusky and david leach and i don't know why but for some reason in my head it was like david leach is the is the real he wants to be a director and he's going to go do atomic blonde and chad Slusky sort of left doing this sequel that's probably not going to be as good and i was blown away by the sequel i thought it, it, it stepped up in a lot of ways and i actually preferred it to atomic blonde I agree. Uh, this one i i liked i i, I kind of need to see again i think um the, the thing I didn't like about it is it's sort of imbalanced. Like it started off and I was so excited. And the idea of John Wick having to fight every assassin in the world and they're hunting him down. Like, I just want to see the real time version of that movie. And then he goes off to Morocco and he does like all this stuff and it's all good. And all the fights are impressive, but it's never as good as the beginning of the movie. And there was a sense at the beginning of the movie, I was like, I can never have too much John Wick. And then by the end of it, I was like, you know, this is probably enough John Wick for now. All right. Uh, Scott, let's go to you. Uh, same question. Thoughts on the, the first two briefly and then uh, this third one. Uh, big fan of the first one. I remember, you know, before it came out, I, you know, I saw a preview. And, you know, this is Keanu Reeves had not done very many big movies in the post, I would say, Constantine era, you know, for the last decade or so. So... When I first saw a preview for this, I thought, oh, he's getting his own directive DVD actioner. Okay, whatever. I think, okay, this looks pretty good. And then I realized it's a theatrical release. Oh, it's a wide theatrical release. Holy crap, it's going to play in IMAX. What the heck is this thing? And then I, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to see it in, a, in a, an early screening. And yeah, I, A, I thought it was a terrific action picture. B, I thought it was uniquely suited to... Keanu Reeves as a, you know, his star persona, and see in an offhand, subtle way, the world building was just wonderful. It gave you just enough, you know, a larger world, while still being, you know, a relatively standalone picture. Uh, I think the second, the second and third sequel films obviously play more into that mythology. In a way, this isn't an apples-to-apples comparison, but it reminded me of the Robert Rodriguez mariachi films, where it started as a sort of, you know, a, you know, a low-budget grindhouse film, and then it's a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, and then by the third movie, it's, you know, it's a myth. You know, basically, it's about here's his favorite Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, the second film, a dazzling action picture, looked absolutely gorgeous, and I thought got a little bit lost in its own mythology, not a deal breaker. This one, I think, was a simpler picture, although I think the, the world building, the mythology felt even less necessary by default. Without getting into spoilers, you know, you can remove a lot of the world building stuff without affecting the overall story that much. That being said, it is a gorgeous looking motion picture. The action choreography is incredible. You know, it, it does earn comparisons to the raid or the raid to whose subtitle I forget. Barrendal. Uh, Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, Keanu Reeves is what is wonderful in this film. And I think something that adds to it is that this is the first time, at least for this kind of film, where he kind of looks his age. And I think that adds to the pathos and the gravitas. And I think in a, one of the things I like about this film is that it sort of digs at the external question of why should we care whether this guy survives or not? You know, I, I don't want to go into spoilers or anything of that nature. But it doesn't just take our interest in John Wick for granted as the ways that the first and second one might have. 
I mean, the first one, you know, he, you know, he was a bad guy who nonetheless was killing bad people to avenge a murdered puppy. You know, it's hard to, you know, root against a guy doing that. You know, the morals were stacked in his favor. The second film, a bit more shades of gray. And this film, I think by default, since most of the time it's self-defense, the morality is a bit back on its favor, but it still sort of acknowledges the collateral damage uh, in a way that makes it a more poignant picture. All right, Alan, uh, you were on our Chapter 2 episode back in 2017, and the thing I specifically remember is that you were saying... You were not a big gun guy, but when the Salmi- when the Salmier came on and he was describing all the things that John Wick was going to have with him, you were eating all that up. Oh, I, 100%. I'm, I'm curious, now where are you with Chapter 3, which doesn't necessarily have a scene specifically like that, but does give us a lot more gunplay and action, what have you. What did you think this time around? So, I like the first one a lot. I think I saw it on DVD cause I didn't, or Blu-ray because I didn't get a chance to see it in the theater because I'm awful like that. But then I saw that one in the theater. We were on the podcast. This one, I feel that was such a clever kind of tongue-in-cheek way to kind of present the action sequences. In this one, I don't feel they did that. He didn't have, there wasn't, like, I don't think they handled the mythology as well as they did in the second one. I think they relied pretty heavily on that, but I still had a great time. After the end credits popped up, I wanted to, um, I wanted to rip the seats out of the movie theater because I was hyped like i have no desire to fire a gun own a gun look at a gun see again in real life but when it's on the screen for like a choreographed fight like this i'm all about it like there were certain scenes in this and then there was like a callback to the matrix a few times which i thought was really cool and a lot of the choreography was very fun like can we get into spoilers about this or no i won't go too wouldn't go too heavily into it okay well he kills people with things you didn't think he would kill people with there you go (laughs) (laughs) i was like i was i think i think i was the only person like heavily grunt like heavily like exhaling during the movie like "Ah, yeah that's it that's fucking clever and fun and exciting and it's it's pulp it's pulp trash is what it is and it's okay because it's fun and it's well made it is a heightened level B movie that you're watching with an A level actor, and I think with a lot of the casting that they did, and with Mark coming in, and you get a, you get like a Mark Keanu Reeves like B level movie star, A level movie star showdown towards the end of this, and that is what I'm here for. And I think that they play into a lot of meta stuff in this one, and all revolving around different fun action choreography ideas and just like a shoestring of a plot. Um, I don't really didn't really care for the Moroccan stuff. I thought a lot of that stuff was cool. Like um, there's a coin master type thing. And then you see an introduction to Halle Berry, which is really good. And then they have a really good fight scene that Halle Berry just nailed. But I, I, I really enjoyed it and I can't wait to see it again, but it wasn't chapter two for me. <clears throat> what about you? I feel similarly. I, uh, I, I like, I like part one quite a bit. Um, it's, it works the best for me as far as presenting John Wick and his emo- the emotional core of this series. I don't think the second two chapters erase that entirely. I just think the focus is clearly not there. It's more on how can we expand upon this world. And I really like the world. I was a big fan of how they introduced this secret assassin world in the first film that kind of hinted at something. And then the second one really opens that up more. This third one, as you guys have been saying, obviously opens up full well. It really relies on you wanting to be interested in this. 
I can't say that I liked this film as much as I liked the the previous film. I do think two was kind of the sweet spot as far as how to handle this. But I agree with you, Alan, that yeah, it's still and with all of you, really. I mean, we're none of us did so dislike this movie. I would say, but I, I will say, regardless of what come down it might be from chart part chapter two, it's still very entertaining. It still has a lot of things that really work well for it. I agree with you, Silas, that there is a part of me that wants to like watch an entire real-time movie of John Wick just constantly evading people, as opposed to getting a good like chunk of that right at the beginning and then moving onwards from there. That said, I also get the necessity of turning it into some kind of story. Is that preferred? I don't know. I don't know what the other version of that would look like, beyond, <laughs> beyond just being nonstop action, which I can't really argue with, I guess, being terrible. But... I do. I know what that is as far as seeing some really terrific action choreography, action filmmaking being put in front of you and wonderfully filmed and everything, and then kind of taking that away and being like, all right, let's slow things down. Let's introduce more of the world. Let's bring in the adjudicator, played by Asia K. Dillon. Let's bring in whatever Ian McShane's up to, and let's send John outward. Let's send him to Morocco. Let's see what's going on there. That stuff... I didn't. I don't dislike it. I think, and I forgot Angel Houston also being in here as well and introducing that aspect of it, giving us a yeah. bit of uh, who John Wick was or where he came from. I don't dislike that stuff. I do think this movie, if you're not into the lore of John Wick, you're not going. I mean, I know some people don't like Chapter Two because of that. They don't like it because they didn't care for the lore stuff. They just like the John Wick aspect of it. If you don't care for that, then yeah, this one's not going to do much for you. I do like it. I do like this world. Again, I would say putting so much emphasis on it and just the way the story is constructed and just the length of this thing, not that it feels overlong or whatnot, but it does feel like, all right, this is John Wick and now it's like two hours and 12 minutes. That's a lot of movie. <laughs> but, it, it does. There's like mm-hmm. this like sort of thing in the back of my mind that some of this is like, oh, is is the Morocco sequence in the movie because you want to do a spinoff with Halle Berry and mm-hmm. We sort of know that they even are developing a, a script called The Ballerina, which spins off presumably from the Angelica Houston school. It works so well for Die Another Day. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, I know what you mean as far as like, here's like a outsider thing that we're throwing in there or whatnot. But that said, I I get it. I get like, the, I mean, the last one goes to Italy. This one goes to Mer- like it, it, it bringing in like an exotic locale to show you the rest of this world outside of just New York. I get that. It makes sense to me to a, to an extent. And I I mean, it does give you a new shade. Like if you're, you're hearing something, you're learning about more of the assassins in the previous film. Now you're getting someone that actually like seemed to have worked with John Wick to some degree and like has like the same kind of training. Like I found, I did find that to be interesting. I would say, yes, it's probably the, the least essential element compared to what else we get. But I also do like that big action scene. That's just like Halle Berry and Keanu Reeves teaming up with the dogs and fighting. Like there's, and do you you think, um, do you think a movie should be allowed to have giant pits of molten gold and not ever have anyone get thrown into them? (laughs) That is a valid complaint. I asked that about most movies. So, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to answer that honestly right now. I, I hear what you're saying. I know you have to. Um, Maybe it was cut. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was cut. Um, to get to back, get back on track. I mean, I do think there's still a lot of great stuff here. I like the finale quite a bit. I I feel like there's a way that this movie could get repetitive, um, as far as like we're seeing just a lot of gunfights and hand-to-hand martial arts fights or whatnot. But I do think that Chad Stahelski has a great handle on how he wants to present these action scenes. And what I like here specifically is like if the last film relied more on kind of gothic imagery in the midst of everything that's going on like there's just give especially given the italian locations and just the style of it this film feels more like uh 
look at all the cool stuff that I'm referencing kind of movie <laughs> where there's like, there's Leone in this, there's Terminator oh. 2 in this, there's old Jackie Chan, especially after just watching Police Story not so long ago for the Criterion releases, there's the Jackie, there's Jackie Chan references, there's Bruce Lee movie references, like there's a lot of like, I'm just going to put all this stuff in here to remind you of like what cool action movies look like. And I appreciated that, honestly. Like if I, if nothing else, like regardless of how into the lore I am, and again, I do like it, I did appreciate like, this seems like Stahelski's showing you like the the kinds of filmmakers he's emulating here or paying homage to and for a summer action flick that happens to be a part of a franchise i liked it i had i had a fun time watching this and i look forward to to more chapters with john wick you know it's funny you bring up jackie chan one of the things that stuck out in this chapter and that might be just because you know he's on the defensive more in this chapter than the others is you do get a certain tom cruise jackie chan even harrison ford wariness yeah. that adds something you know he, he's out of breath he's fatigued he, he doesn't want to keep going yeah because I, I would say that compared to chapter two which I, I posted this on twitter not too long ago. i watched chapter two before i saw three and that film very much plays almost like a silent comedy a very yeah. brutal silent comedy but like even with the expanded amount of lore you could change bits and pieces of that movie and take out all the dialogue and you can easily understand it. it's a very great visual film this film doesn't yeah. have that benefit you really need to hear what everyone's talking about this time around and and i think that that shows as far as you're establishing why john wick's in this position and he constantly has to defend like you're saying he has to defend himself or be on the kind of you know have it back against the wall so if he's doing that you need like things to keep telling you why this is happening what i liked about the big action scene in morocco and yeah i'm guessing they had that idea for that scene and then had to, you know, idly wink the story around it. And that's fine. It's an action film. Is that it's Halle Berry's fight scene. He's a supporting character in that sequence. Mm -hmm. And again, that just adds you know, a dynamic that we haven't seen in the first two films where he's basically the sidekick for about, you know, five minutes. Well, because they got to, they have to show you like, why is John Wick coming to this person? What do they have to offer? Well, here's an yeah. entire sequence that shows what the, you know, what training that she's gone through to be in yeah. this movie to begin with, as opposed to just being like, we randomly cast somebody and they hardly did any stunt work. It's like, no, here's all the stunt work that they clearly prepared to learn how to do for this movie. I like the variety of action in this film. Uh, you know, they, they, I would argue by default they they are almost restrained with the gunplay at least for the first half of the film. Obviously, they make up for it later, but, you know, because the, 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 there are fights, there are, you know, chases, you know, there are skirmishes, but it's more than just, you know, walking and shooting. Silas, you're saying you want to see it again, or just like that the, is it that, that the lore is becoming like, or just the structure of this movie? That's Is that where your problem is in, in like how it's... I, I, I think that what was sort of underwhelming to me uh, was was getting to the end and realizing that, like, oh, I almost didn't even really need to see this movie as far as the lore goes. Mm -hmm. And I think going back and watching it again, I'm just going to appreciate the fights. Um, well, I guess here's my question, then. What is it that you want to see when you see a new John Wick film? You know, one of the things that sort of bugged me about this is uh, there's a point where... John Wick is sort of doing some questionable things, particularly as far as the memory of, of his dead wife. And I kind of like the John Wick that would just as well not even be alive. Like he, he's, he's just sort of weary, but he has to do this thing because it's the right thing to do. Uh -huh. And I feel like this movie kind of hits a point where I, I think he says, like, I, I need to be alive so I can remember my wife. And it's like, that's that's sort of a weak explanation for all of these people that you're killing 
I, I, I wish there was something driving him that was something other than just staying alive. Um, there's, there's the sense in the, the earlier ones that he's doing this, uh, out of this like weird morality and he's sort of losing that in this movie. I can, I can hear you on that one. That's a fair point because I, this came, this, this occurred to me in two, which Alan, I can't quite recall the conversation, but I, I I feel like I might've even tried to bring it up then. I can see the John Wick that was in the first part still there in chapter two. And I don't think he's just, I don't think he's wildly different in this one. I'll get back to that. But I do think in chapter two, the guy is still grieving. Like he's still going through this process. He just hasn't had a chance to like rest and actually put his mind to this thing because he's got caught up in this giant thing involving his dog and his, in his car. The third one, even though it starts moments after the last one, I agree with what you're saying, Silas. I, I don't think it quite like finds the right balance of showing that character, that guy still in there. He's more, I mean, it, I, I'm not going to say selfish. That's not what it is, but it's more like focused on, hey, I'm gone. I got to hit the ground running and get going. And now I have to make an argument for what I'm doing after I get out of New York and, you know, have to do all this stuff. But do you, are, you, are you guys on a similar page? You see that with Keanu Reeves Allen? Do you, do you see kind of a difference in character here? Um, well, no, like, I think he's still, like, I don't know, I think they're going to do five, like, more than just three, I think they'll do five movies out of this thing, and this one is just the transition piece into the next two, um, Mm -hmm. because it feels like the, they're always about revenge, but I kind of understand where he's not really revenging anything, he's just staying alive to stay alive, it's a self-defense movie, and that's, that's, that's fine, like, he's still killing bad dudes, so I didn't feel bad, he's not killing, they're not killing any innocent civilians, he's not messing with kids or really that many ladies so i don't um i i don't know like well, that's something you can focus that's something i can admire about this john wick yeah. franchise how the world continues to be this underground world even when they're out in clear public doing all this stuff yes. like the world doesn't seem to be a they're the collateral damage starring john Leguizamo, is at a low <laughs> it, it seems that like low low risk like they don't really try to be like they don't try to like throw cars in the way of people or anything like that. It's more of we're going to keep doing this as clandestine as possible, even if we're on horses and motorcycles in the middle of a freeway. Yeah, but you know, no spoilers. But you know, there's a scene where you know a character, you know, a minor character is killed in full public view, and like nobody even looks in that direction. Yeah. But it's New York City, man. Yeah, yeah it's, well, it's cla- that... classic New York. Two Spider Men can pop out in your walkway, and you don't care. You just walk over the Spider Men. Like, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's probably just drunk, no. man. I don't know. Uh, this does feel like a transition piece. I agree with you on that. Slightly to its detriment. I mean, I don't want to go into any spoilers or anything, but, you know, I, I do think you're correct in that, in terms of story, not all that much happens to make the status quo different than it was at the end of the second film. Whether that was just because they didn't want to, you know, have a hardcore finale or because. They're trying to expand the world, or just because you know they they just want this to be a normal conventional sequel. And I think that's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's not, not at all. Thing here, I I I hear you, Silas, and what yeah. you're saying as well. And I don't think you're disagreeing with that. Or, do you agree with what you what's being presented here? It's kind of a more of a transitional film, and that might be. Maybe oh yeah, not something no, you and, I, and I think just knowing that um, it, it's weird because I probably sound more down on it than I am. I like I love the John Wick franchise, and mm-hmm. I had a great time with this. I just the second one was even better than the first and not getting that again this time there Fair was enough. a level of disappointment. I can understand that. The the best 
thought I could have in that regard is a video game franchise, Uncharted, where I really liked the first Uncharted. The second Uncharted blew the doors off. They're like, look at the, look how look how much better this is with this giant train chase and the added visual effects that they're using is with the you know just the increase there. And then Uncharted Three came out. And it's like this is still really cool. It's just not as big of a step as Uncharted Two was. Um, and- you know, it, it is a video game movie, even more so than the first two. That's why I felt but, it more apt in yeah, comparison, yeah. honestly. <laughs> yeah, because this, yeah. I, like, I like that the second one introduces his bulletproof suit. So this one, we're just like, all right, he's just, you know, he's just a guy in a game now. He, he has plenty of continues because he has that bulletproof suit on. And I'm like, I kept thinking, when is he going to change that suit? Because it's getting dirty. Like, that was a lot of my thought during this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like gross. It must be all stinky. Let's talk about the supporting cast a little bit. I, I I, don't think we any of us disagree that Reeves, regardless of what we think of how the character is being treated, I think Reeves is pretty solid. Do we all agree on that? Yeah. Forever. He's solid. Yes. Yeah, he's he's really, like, settled into the, sort of this, like, zen master of acting, and it carries over, like, his his. His personality, as you think of him as a individual in pop culture, has sort of become John Wick, and they're they go together really well. It, I have to wonder if we get to a part five, I'll be discussing this franchise in the same it's autobiographical then as I do with Ethan Hunt and Tom Cruise, because th- there's bits of that in this, especially in this film, where you know it could be a metaphor for you know a guy as in. As introverted as he seems to be, being one of the most famous people on the planet, or you know, frankly, someone who's been through a lot of real life trauma and is you know sort of forced to grieve on a public stage. That's that's something we talked about with the first one specifically, where yeah. Keanu Reeves isn't a guy that tends to like go big, and then he, yeah. but he gets that great monologue towards the middle of yeah. the film where he you know says that I'm back thing, and it's yeah. like you don't see him do that, which is why I think it's so, I, I don't know, iconic or just like, it just feels like great, just great cinema for Keanu Reeves, honestly, where it's like, he's built to this point, even if it, whether it's a career parable or just the effort he's putting into this specific role, it just feels so like, wow, this is like, Keanu Reeves has come a long way to get to the point where he can be this kind of stoic assassin figure, look badass, killing people for a good hour and change, and then get to this moment where he's just like going big on a, a huge dramatic monologue where 20 years ago people were making fun of him for doing this kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, for me, I think one of the reasons why the first film clicked is that it, it was sort of a generational coronation for Reeves in that while when I was growing up, the adult critical establishment somewhat derided him or made fun of him or, you know, thought of him as a somewhat of an airheaded wooden under actor. But people in our generation, give or take, you know, we grew up on Bill and Ted, The Matrix, Speed, Devil's Advocate. Parenthood. Well, yeah, but he's, he's terrific in that. Um, the replacements. Uh, or even, you know, some of his, his hammier turns like Bram Stoker's Dracula are much ado about nothing. You know, I think the film came out right at the point where people of our generation were now the critical establishment. And thus, we were like, no, we've always loved this guy. You know, it's, it's, it's time we stop. You know, we, we get to change the narrative now. Well, that's what that, that's what that Keanu Reeves gif is for. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some of the other actors. Uh, this time around, as far as villains go, we have uh, Mark Dacascos as Zero. <laughs> what did you guys think of him, the, the kind of the main? Treat. I think he was a scene stealer every every scene he was in. I think he was wonderful and great, and I'm glad that he's getting his moment to shine in a big American movie. Yeah, I, I love the choice to make him basically a John Wick fanboy. Yeah. Um, 
and it, it's, you know, it, you know, it sort of plays off, you know, it, there's hints of the shootest and that kind of idea that, you know, you know, the, the, the legendary gunfighter on his last leg, people try to keep, you know, picking him out so they can get that notch on their belt, but you know, it works and it's a, it's a new ingredient for this particular franchise. It's a one, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful choice for a villain that's filled to basically be, you know, again, you know, the someone who likes John Wick as much as we do. There's something that counters John Wick so well with him too. Like John Wick has this very quiet, like he, he's not smiling. He, he's, he's very straight, emotionless. And Zero is just so happy and he has a big grin on his face. They clash really well. Mm-hmm. Do you think a lot of that is like meta with having Keanu and Mark? in like a movie like that. Cause I feel like they were coming up around the same time, but just doing two different kinds of movies I, looking into it too much. I, I think it's a more of a, like a, a cause Mark, like he's, he's not like he's young either. Like he's, no, he's not, <laughs> so, they're like three months apart. Yeah. So it's like, I'm trying to think of like, if there was a meta thing to go for, it'd be like having a, a younger actor, you know, like, like you mentioned Antonio Banderas and assassins where it's like, he's, He's in that movie, which is not very good, but written by the Wachowskis. Um, it's um, uh, it's him and and Stallone, and Stallone's like the veteran, and Banderas is like the young upstart, and whatnot. And it's like there is kind of like a fanaticism going on between Banderas against Stallone. This one, like I like that that's there. I don't need to keep talking about the movie Assassin Snuck it. Um, like <laughs> I, I wonder if like not that I need a different person as the villain, but if you want to talk about like a meta connection between the two. I think that would pl- that would play better to me if it was like a younger actor that oh, okay. was kind of getting in this kind of part. I was more like going on the lines of like they're both coming up around the same time. It's just you know just if their Mark career paths. Like movies that go straight to video and Keanu uh-huh. is doing Point Break and Speed. Fair and, enough. You know, that's I wonder not- if De- if is like he well known enough to kind of be in that. But I guess to action junkies he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It's Manny from Scott Adkins showed up in this kind of same role. I guess it'd be the same kind of reaction. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I I loved it. I loved their showdown at the end. I loved like even the lead up with all the hen- uh, hen- uh, zero's henchmen. I just thought that was great. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Asia Minor. Um, they just didn't. I don't know if it's just I like, hated the adjudicator or not, but I just wasn't wasn't into it as much as I should have been. What'd you think of that? What'd you guys think of that role, the adjudicator, which is like essentially a lawyer like for the yeah. high table, right? Again, I think it was a new ingredient that allowed this film to stand out from its predecessors. It was just an interesting screen presence. Obviously, it was a very thin role. You know, it's mostly there just, you know, to be menacing and spout out, you know, exposition. But I thought, it, you know, it was a nice seasoning. What, what about you, Silas, as far as, because this is a, I guess, heavy lore related as far as having this kind of character. Was that an element that you enjoy? Like, and, and that, and as well as like the Angelica Houston part, like just these different like cogs in the machine and all this. Yeah, I, I liked it. I like the weirdness of it. And, you know, you see this weird like switch room where it's, it's like, like tattooed, almost like secretaries, but also like the penguin from Gotham is there. Yeah, he's yeah. there as the administrator. <laughs> and they're all heavily pierced. It's it's just so odd because you sort of wonder, like, what what are the rules of this? Do, do you have to look like this to work here? <laughs> yeah, I um, 
I appreciated these touches just because it's like, well, this is I like because I just like that it's different. Like, there's nothing like this as far as like a a world goes, especially for like an assassin world. This is as in depth as it gets, where they have their own currency and all these different rules, and they speak in the name of like an accepted version of justice. Um, particularly when you have the adjudicator dealing out punishments for certain people, including Ian McShane's character and Lawrence Fishburne. It's like Okay, I, I, I never felt lost in all this. I guess is a good, a good way to put it. Like I, I can appreciate that the movie, regardless of how much I care for this much world building, I, I feel like I never was overwhelmed by it. And I feel like other movies sometimes feel stuffed by this thing or just don't know how to kind of best examine it. Although for I was, mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get more of that in Morocco. Um, I, yeah. I think one of the things that's really fun in the second film is getting to see all the other people staying at the Continental, and just because we were the Continental Morocco, I would have liked just some insert shots of some some weird assassins that happen to be at that hotel that are just like big Humphrey Bogart fans and all their yeah. trench coats <laughs> and hats or something. <laughs> no, I hear you. I I guess if if that's a failing of that area, I think it's it just boils down to we need a reason to have an action scene here like you guys were saying earlier and so it does like they'll they'll build up to that it's like wait what's the what happens after this because like Halle Berry still lives in Morocco at that point like certainly there would be some kind of repercussion for the things that just went down in this area but I don't know what else uh we have the return of Ian McShane and Lance Reddick and Lawrence Fishburne are you guys fans of how they've been handled in this throughout the series well, obviously, you know, Lance Reddick is a treasure in these films. You know, yeah. it, it, you know they use him exactly right. And, you know, intentionally or not, they're also setting him up to be the lead in the TV series. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't imagine a better audience surrogate character if you're going to have a TV show set in the Continental than that guy. I like that Lance Reddick, in the commentary for the first John Wick, they talk about Lance Reddick saying... He just wanted to try the Caribbean accent because he was doing that for another role and he felt that'd be a fun thing to do here. And now he's like three films in with a TV series <laughs> on the way where he has to like keep doing this accent the whole time. <laughs> Fishburne was fine. I mean, I think it's, it's, it was a matter of just he was there this time because he was in the last one. That's a fun way of saying Fishburne likes to be hammy. And cause yeah. me personally, I, I'm not the biggest fan of hammy Fishburne. Um, I like more self-serious Fishburne, like in the, like as Morpheus. So it's like when he shows up in this or Predators, I'm like, all right. Like, it's I get almost it. too much. But it's, yeah, it feels it, like it. It's a, yeah. it just like the given, I get that he's not in the high, on the high table or whatever. So like he likes to be more expressive about, as the Bowery King and like pronounce himself more. But at the same time, like, okay, like <laughs> really making us aware that you don't care about this stuff. And he's like, you know, calling everybody a motherfucker. Like it's just all this stuff going on. It's like, yeah. All right. Um, it just, it kind of sticks out in a world where, as Silas, you described, has all these weird ingredients already in it. And then you have this guy coming in to be his own thing. I, I almost wish there was more of him. I, I almost feel like he could have subverted most of the Morocco sequence and, we could have seen John Wick and, and him have a tighter connection that would then fuel the, uh, a fourth film. Well, well, I will get that, presumably, I guess, <laughs> is one way to put it. <laughs> um, Let's, I, uh, I think yeah. to a certain extent, no, I'll make this quick, yeah. uh, that I, I think there was a certain balance to, you know, the idea that John Wick knew these people and was somewhat chummy with them without necessarily being deeply friendly with them. Because, you know, it, 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 you know, 
I think there was a, a, a care to make sure that he didn't come off as too chummy with any of these characters. That there is a certain roughness to their relationships. Yeah, they're acquaintances and not friends. Yeah, at best, yeah. Especially in this line of work, I get that for sure. Yeah. Um, I will just say, of cast members we did not get enough of, and I think we can all agree on this, it's Jason Manzoukas as the TikTok man. Oh, oh. Yeah, like that <laughs> That was a bummer, because he, he, he even got his own character poster. Exactly, yeah. the, mark of, the mark of winning in life, when you have your own character poster in a summer blockbuster. <laughs> really is these days. Mm-hmm. It's like you host SNL, you get a voice on The Simpsons, and you get a character poster. Those are the three things that you want. <laughs> um, well, let's before we wrap this up, we haven't talked too much about the action in this movie, which I think is pretty terrific, without, I guess, going too far into what he uses to kill who with. Where are you with the action? Like, Would you say it's like just a, a good continuation of what we've already set up, or do you think there's any escalation as far as how great it is, or any highlights you want to share? Alan? I think first half they have the most creative uses of weapons and a very good choreographed um, scene with a bunch of people in an antique store or like a museum or whatever that was. That was one. Yeah, I I agree with you and that it has a great Leone good, the bad and the ugly homage. Yes. To kind of kick it off, which I was absolutely into. And then the, the dog fight was cool in the middle of it, which, you know, it was, it was, it was cool. A lot of choreograph and it was mostly just a Halle Berry fight scene. That's great. That third act where it's just them, like, well, just John and others having that long showdown that lasts, I feel like, for four hours. and <laughs> It was so good. All of that was great. Like, the choreography, the timing, the evolution of how fatigued and exhausted John Wick was throughout the course of the film was great. Because he's not Superman. He was, getting his ass, he was getting his ass beat a lot. And he just kept getting up and kept getting up and kept finding creative ways to not die. And that's why he's Baba Yaga, and it was great. I mean, the lack of like a giant spooky house that he lived in was a little disappointing for Baba Yaga, as far as Baba Yaga fans go. <laughs> yeah, with chicken legs. But I mean, besides that, yeah, it all paid off. Well, he always wore that, pants. That'll be the next one. <laughs> that'll be the next one. Yeah, what do you have, Big Shade? We won't get into it. <laughs> These jokes don't work because nobody saw Hellboy. Anyway, um, Scott, <laughs> any any thoughts on the action? Well, I, I certainly think it's an escalation from the first film. I actually caught a bit of the big nightclub shootout from the first film. And it's, it's I don't want to say night and day, because that's not fair. But the first film is much more of a grounded, you know, plausible action grindhouse picture. This film, even though it is more or less real, and a lot of it's in one take, there's certainly more of a fantastical Let's see what we can do element to it. And that's fine. Again, you know, it's, 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 as I think you mentioned earlier, there is a certain hope that in the second or third film that you go higher and higher, almost the point of farce. I don't think it gets quite there yet. No, but the fourth I, film like, will have to. Looking at like Die Hard as comparison, yeah. like it's not at that level where he's like, just he's he's still like a guy that's doing things that are possible to a degree yeah. where he's it's not it's not getting to the level of him you know riding on top of dump trucks or out yeah. outrunning harrier jets or whatever the fuck he did in Russia like any of that stuff like <laughs> um but yeah I mean it did it, 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 it you know um but yeah all of it is very well choreographed it is clever it is character driven uh the film makes an effort to make at least some of its opponents look unique and visually distinct. And the entire film just looks gorgeous. 
I mean, the one you know, quote unquote lesson that you could take from this, you know, one lesson anyway, is that, you know, yes, this is a $50, $55 million picture, but it's a $55 million picture. And it looks like, well, I mean, it just, there's no excuse for major studio movies to not look almost as good as this, at least on an audio visual level. This is a beautiful, gorgeous movie that absolutely demands to be seen in a giant theater just because of how well made it is. There, there is, there is a lot to admire as far as it's just basic framing of scenes. Yeah. Like even, even if you don't have someone as talented to kind of choreograph your action scenes, the work done to kind of put things in frame that feel like neat contrasts that establish different worlds and whatnot, it's, it's a far cry different than some of the CG action spectacles that kind of feel samey, as if all the same second unit people are constantly working together <laughs> to make the same movie and just replace characters here or there. Uh, yeah. That's, with, with that, but you have Dan Lauston here doing the cinematography. He worked on the Chapter Two. He worked. He's worked with Del Toro a couple times. Shape of Water, Crimson Peak. Like those are good-looking movies. I mean, it's uh, and that's just among other things that he's worked with. Obviously, yeah. the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> um, that's another one that's on his list. Um, but you know, the production design. The the you know, I, I did see it for a second time on on Friday morning just to for, purely for pleasure, and it would just. If more movies looked this good, it'd be a lot easier to convince people to still go to the movie. Well, it's a good um, thing you got an IMAX release. Yeah, and, you know, and I I saw it at Dolby Vision because it was convenient. Uh, excuse me, Dolby Cinema. And yeah, it just it's just it's just it's, it's a world that you just want to bathe in. And even aside from the action and the violence, the colors are gorgeous. The production design is striking and and creative. You know, it's 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 and part of that is the the video game concepts where you have basically fantastical looking levels at various points in the film. But nonetheless, you still have, you know, these action scenes that are taking place in unique and startling locations. It's the kind of thing that you should be able to take for granted. But as you hinted at these day and age, you can't because there is a certain sameness to a lot of the biggest special, special effects driven pictures. Well, Silas, I want to get to you real quick and just talk about the action, then we can kind of wrap up. But any thoughts to expand upon as far as kind of the quality of the action this time around? You know, I, I think the action's great. I do think it's a little front-loaded. I think that, like, the beginning of the movie is so much better, in part just because in the last movie we got this amazing fight sequence in a room made of mirrors, and to then have a fight sequence in a room made of glass is like, oh, we kind of already saw this, as good as it is. I, I thought the dog thing was really fun. Um, I, I, I do think it expands the world in a lot of clever ways. Um, I, I remember when the first movie came out, they did a, a press day at the at the stuntman gym that uh, the the directors ran. Hmm. Um, and th I did a sequence, like a gun sequence. That they ended up editing together. And I have this video of me like shooting people like John Wick. And it, it's honestly kind of disturbing to watch because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a big gun fan um in real life but i think that you can still have i like i can still love guns in movies and and think that we should not have them in reality well, fair enough yeah i don't have much to add as far as what we've been talking about here i mean i do think there's scott you mentioned the action's character driven which is something i've always appreciated about this series like it never that's what i was saying before when it's like it doesn't feel repetitive and it doesn't feel gratuitous obviously you're in an r-rated action movie you're going to get this but it doesn't feel like it's done for the sake of 
I can't say not because of gun like some exploitation element because that's there because you have Keanu Reeves using a variety of different guns and seeing how cool that looks on screen, which is not unlike like the first Matrix film. At the same time, there is a drive as to why we're doing this in the using what limited realms we have, limited stakes we have as like establishing what an action movie is and why this is necessary for it. You still have something there to be like, okay, it it adds up that you would have these characters doing this thing. And it works. <laughs> like it, it, it feels, it feels necessary. And John, John Wick's style of action is it's continually to the point. It's like you know, it's not about cool shots. It's about shooting him in the face, kneeing him in the groin, do whatever it is to take them down instantly and quickly. <laughs> and that's there's a brutality there that can be handled in a way that's hard to watch, but it's just. For lack of a better word, it's just fun. It's just fun to see him do these things. Um, which I think has certainly benefited the series because it's, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Scott, like it's only done better as far as the box office yeah. goes. Yeah, I mean, the, the growth from movie to movie, it, it's almost unprecedented. And I would argue with these specific variables, it is unprecedented. I mean, it, it's, it's, this was purely based on the goodwill and expectation of quality of the first two films. And that, that yeah. <laughs> All right, well... With all that being said, uh, before we move on here, the last the way we, re- we rate movies is when people should go and see them. So with that in mind, Silas, when should people go and see John Wick Chapter Three? I think I think if you're going to see John Wick Chapter Three, hopefully you've already seen the first two and are already a John Wick fan, and hopefully you've already seen it. You should have seen it on Friday. All right, <laughs> Scott. Oh yeah, I mean if, if, if you know, watch the first two if you haven't yet. Uh, it's going to be in theaters a while, I'm guessing. Uh, but yes, as soon as convenient on the biggest screen you can get to. Alan. Yesterday. Watch it yesterday. Um, yeah, no, you should watch it as early as possible because it's great. And on the biggest screen possible, yeah, you should go see it now. I agree. I think it's just good summer fun. And it's it's quality summer fun as well. It, it feels... The whole American family. It, yeah, it's yeah. bring the kids to the Continental. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah, what do you why is there blood in the pool? <laughs> See, I, what I don't do know you guys what think the Yelp rating is for the Continental? Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to read those reviews. Is there like a secret Yelp? Maybe. Like you think? Like I mean, like the... frankly, they feel extremely accommodating. I I can't imagine. Yeah. I, I don't think you want to leave a bad Yelp review for the Continental. Yeah, or you do so like, at your own risk. Yeah, like, oh, man, this one guy was able to bring in his dog, and I did not know that dogs would be allowed here, and then that person's dead. Like, is that the response, <laughs> like, that they would do to kill you? Like, can I, like, if I had, like, can, like, can, like, Topher Grace go to the Continental and stay there at night, or is it only, like, assassins? When you say Topher Grace, you mean Topher Grace in the ocean universe, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right uh that's enough of that let's move on <laughs> that's, our, that's our review for uh, john wick chapter three let's move on to uh what uh i think it's actually it's time for uh it's time for games that was of course the improv theme for games and this week we're playing a game called weapon of choice which is purely trivia for the fat boy slim video featuring christopher walken weapon of choice that's not true. This is actually a game where I'm going to describe mo- mo- cinematic weapons, famous cinematic weapons that various cinematic movie characters have held, and you need to identify the weapon, possibly the movie, <laughs> if none of you can get the weapon. 
this will make more sense as we go along. If you think you know the, as I read descriptions, if you think you know the answer, yell out your name to buzz in, and then give me the answer. Make sense? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Here's the first one. It's a 12 gauge double barreled Remington S Mart's top of the line. Silas. Silas. No, that, that's Ash's boomstick. That is correct. Boomstick. You're on the board. Here's the next one. The most powerful handgun in the world. Scott. Pulled... Scott. Oh, 24 Magnum from Dirty Harry. That is exactly right. Scott's on the board. Scott came to play today. Jumped right in. Yeah, he jumped right in. <laughs> Here's the next one. Helps one scale buildings with ease. Locks into a belt rather easily. Silas. Weight of t- yep, Silas. That's the bat grappling gun from Batman? That is correct. The grappling or gun. Or from Mallrats? I went with, I, I like where your head's at, but I went, yes, I went with Batman. <laughs> Here's the next one. No bullets needed, only an air canister. A hit to uh, the Alan. head gets the, Helen? Yeah, it's the, um, it's the, it's the Javier Bardem's, um, fucking thing from No Controlled Men. Um, I can't remember. What, what is it the, generally used it's for? Tank. It's to kill, like, um, cows. There you go. It's a cattle yeah. gun. Cattle gun. There it is. There you go. Yeah, I wanted to get on the board. I was really excited. Okay, I was like, I, <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know the names of the things to kill people. I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Next one. It's a 7.65 millimeter with a delivery like a brick through a plate glass window. Takes a brush silencer with very little reduction in muzzle velocity. It won't jam up like this English spy's previous weapon. Uh, uh oh crap. Uh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, I might be naming the previous weapon, so apologies, but a Walter PPK? It is a Walter PPK. The previous okay. one's a Beretta. Yeah. Thank you. He's, I wasn't he's, sure I, what he was he's, describing. Yeah, he, he says, like, I've, I've used a Beretta for 10 years. <laughs> good. I, I haven't done my Connery in a while. So. Yeah, it's good. Not bad. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. Used to cut through ropes, tapestries, clothes, men, and leave a signature. Oh, Silas? Silas. Uh, Zorro's sword. Zoro's sword is correct. A scabbard. Mm. Here's the next one. Got three more. Four more. Seems to work well at bashing zombies in the head. Just don't leave it locked in the car. Uh, Silas. Scott? Silas. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, Shaun the Dead's uh, uh, rugby paddle. Close enough. It's a, a cricket bat. Cricket. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Movie. I'm not a sports crazy. guy. It's <laughs> for badminton, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're not one. a golfer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a grasshopper. It's from Grasshopper, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Grasshopper. Okay, here's the next one. Yeah. Holds one shot. Each bullet costs a million dollars. Can be divided up into pieces. A lighter, a pen, a cigarette case, and a cufflink. Uh, Scott. Scott. I think I'm wrong, but the Golden Gun from the Man You're with the right. Golden Gun. It is the Golden Gun from oh, the Man okay. with the Golden Gun. Scaramanga's Golden. The other gun. details threw me off. <laughs> Million dollars a shot. I wouldn't want Christopher Lee as my assassin to team up with. He just seems like he'd be a dick the whole time. <laughs> Two more. Very small. Packs a big punch. Fires a giant orb of energy. Silas. It's Silas. the noisy cricket from Men in Black. It is the noisy ticket cricket gonna break this damn thing all right last one i haven't counted these this might be make or break between scott and silas right here <laughs> ammo seems unlimited some prefer it to hokey religions and ancient weapons i oh, got uh, 
Scott? Uh, I, a, a blaster from Star Wars. Yes, a blaster. A Mauser C96 is Han Solo's blaster, to be exact. But yes, it's a blaster is what I was going for. All right. Let me add these up here. Alan, you made it on the board. So be That's happy all I wanted, that. man. I, was, <laughs> yeah, I, like, I knew I was going to get this. <laughs> well, it was very close. But Silas, you emerged victorious this week in games. Good job, Scott, though. But Silas, no! you are a winner. <laughs> Good going. All right. That was games. That was Weapon of Choice. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to some out-and-out feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you, Alan. Uh, this is where we go over various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. I asked a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us answers. Uh, I don't think we got any questions this week, so I'll just keep going with the questions I threw out there. Uh, if uh, you guys have any answers to these questions, feel free to shout them out after I go through the listeners. But here we go. What's your favorite Keanu Reeves action film? Chris writes, John Wick, John Wick 2, and hopefully John Wick 3 after I've seen it. Renee has Speed, John Wick, and Point Break. Tammy has Speed in The Matrix. Scott, you put Speed. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, favorites? Um, I mean, John Wick and Point Break are kind of like the best. I can't really, you know, no Matrix. Uh, yeah, um, it's kind of hard, but let's just say John Wick 2. Silas? I, I, I think the the really good ones have been have been picked. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything that we're we're overlooking. I like to shout out the Man of Tai Chi. I like that movie quite a bit. Yeah. I would I'm not I wouldn't call it its best, but I do I do like that movie and I like saying you owe me a life. That's just fun. That's a fun <laughs> phrase from that movie. All right, next one. What legendary actor would you turn to for help with a dire situation? This is in reference to Angelica Houston from uh, John Wick Three. Chris writes, has to be Bruce Lee or Sam Elliott. His mustache can fight its way out of anything. <laughs> Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes Ronald Reagan. Uh, Mike has Sam Jackson. Michael Lee, friend of the show, has Sam Jackson. Justin has Tom Cruise. Alan, you put Joe Pesci, specifically from uh, um, my cousin Vinny. Yes. That's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you, got, you, you, right got, you, got, you got the karate kid out of that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like like Werner Herzog. I, I, I feel like he would give you advice that like wouldn't necessarily make sense, but you'd be thinking about it, and it would it would just distract you enough to be useful. I was just thinking, why hasn't Werner Herzog been in a Star Wars? And I'm like, oh, wait, he's one of the stars of The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Please. That man could even defeat Jack Reacher. Well, he hired Jai Courtney, and that was like his downfall. Right? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Jai Courtney is quite good at Jack Reacher. So. Oh, yeah. He's, he's great as the villain and or when he gets a character to play. Yeah. In general. All right. Next question. What animal companion are you bringing to a fight? Justin has an alien queen. Uh, Richard has a flurkin. Uh, Mike has a dog. Alan, you put a hippo, which is just a good answer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, those things are deadly. I'm uh, good at this game. Michael Lee, friend of the show, writes a porg. Uh, Scott, you... No, another no. Scott. Another Scott put the uh, the white rabbit from Monty Python on the Holy Grail. <laughs> Chris has Godzilla. And Scott, you had a velociraptor. Makes sense. Yeah. That's a dime. I mean, if you get a, if you can train them like Star Lord does, I mean, sure, that work seems to work out. Oh, I just let them go and hide. Oh yeah, just do their own thing. <laughs> Silas, any aliens you want to add to the list here? Or sorry, animals you want to add? To the list here? <laughs> Could it be aliens? <laughs> I don't know why, but like the blob comes to mind. I, I have no idea why, but that's the first thing. <laughs> Not that it would be particularly useful or able to control, but yeah, it works out. Uh, next we have, what are your favorite New York-based action scenes? Todd writes the car chases and 
car and train chases from the French Connection. Chris has French Connections awesome. The fights in Gangs of New York. Michael Lee has uh, Rumble in the Bronx. And Jerry has The Warriors. I have kind of a weird one, um, which is uh, Final Destination 2. I, I <laughs> love the opening highway sequence. Um, and it, it is a chase sequence, but in a really weird way. Um, That's in New it, York? I guess so. Yeah. It's it's just sort of like y- you get to know exactly where these characters are on a highway and you know that death is coming. But it it I, I, I'm always amazed by how well that scene is is directed. It It is a, a giant cacophony of crazy things going on <laughs> at once. Uh, I have two that were sadly not mentioned here. One, obviously, is Die Hard with a Vengeance when they're doing the taxi car chase through Central Park, which I think is brilliant, mainly because it's actually in Central Park. Like, it's a great piece of action. (laughs) John McTiernan kills it. The other, I mean, I love this sequence. It's in Coming to America when Sam Jackson tries to rob uh, the the, the Mc... What's the McDonald's knockoff place that they're working at? Oh, McDowell's. McDowell's. McDowell's and Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. They, you know, they sweep under the leg and they get the shotgun. Like that's a fun action scene right there. Both involve Sam Jackson by examples. I just realized this. So there you go. Those are my two. Coming to America, the obvious action film, and then Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> Any others New York based action scenes? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it had to be New York. That's what I was saying. Yeah, New York. Oh. Ah. Uh-uh. Ah. Uh-uh. I mean, the Final Destination scene is a good... I mean, that's a good scene. <laughs> no? No others? All right. I can move on. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. What other action heroes deserve a trilogy? Chris writes, well, for Aaron, they need to finish up the Equalizer. Okay. Um, I'd, be, yeah, specifically. I'd, I'd, ha- I'd be happy with Crank 3, Crank It Up. Uh, Jim Dietz, friend of the show, writes, if, I, if what I read about Carpenter coming out of retirement to direct again... It's true that I'd want a third Snake Plissken movie to make up for Escape from L.A. It could star Kurt Russell and his son Wyatt. Snake is now the president, gets captured, and his son has to save him. Tasteful Adrian Barbeau cameo, etc. Brian has uh, Equalizer 3 with a huge showdown in Act 3 in a nursing home. Uh, Richard has Sinbad Secret Service character from First Kid. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Todd has Jack Burton. Jack Burton would have been one of mine. Um... And sort of by the same same uh, uh, writer, um, Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dennis has Max and Furiosa. Tom has Equilibrium. And Justin has Atomic Blonde. Kanye. Or uh, Cameron Poe Adventures. Oh, yeah. Could, could we get two more 3,000 Miles to Graceland? <laughs> no. <laughs> 4,000 no, Miles to Graceland? <laughs> <laughs> uh, offhand for me, it's... Uh, I, yeah, I'd love more Atomic Blonde movies. I really like the first one. Uh, never going to happen, but I'd love to see uh, Secret Service agent John Cale get a trilogy oh, from no, White no, House no, Down. No, no, no. <laughs> um, London yeah. Down. <laughs> Angel Down. It's, Paris it's Down. what I can get. <laughs> By the way, we talked about the Angel Has Fallen trailer. Didn't we all think it was going to involve Air Force One in some way? Like, wasn't that a part of the... Initially, that was the pitch. I think it got changed somewhere in production. It's just they kept, but the title, like, well, I got, we got to keep the title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we already made the title. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question here. Who has been Keanu Reeves' greatest foe? Todd writes Death in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Dwayne has Dennis Hopper in Speed. Chris has Al Pacino as the devil in Devil's Advocate. And Alan writes The Critics. <laughs> Gets a bad, bad rap, man. 
my my pick would be Patrick Swayze, specifically Patrick Swayze's hair in uh, Point Break. I think that's his greatest adversary because nobody wins. We both lose. Um, I think by default, I mean, Mr. Anderson. I mean, I'm an idiot. Mr. Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. Course. Hugo Weaving. He is his opposite. And also, it's a nobody wins situation. Um, what if he's his own greatest nemesis? Well, maybe that's what John Wick is building towards. I mean, if John Wick has to like go back in time <laughs> to um, <laughs> to like snag the different dog collars to put onto the Continental Gauntlet or something, and meets up with himself in the past, like, maybe he goes happens. so far back that he actually becomes the Baba Yaga of. <laughs> Folklore. Exactly. <laughs> we find some like old dusty book and it has his picture on it. <laughs> it's basically what it's Army of Darkness, right? It's the man from the sky. It's just him standing there with a gun in his hand. <laughs> All right. You made a John Wick out of another John Wick. And then you set that John Wick to kill me. You made a choice to do that to me. We'll learn more about this in uh John uh Ang Lee's uh, Gemini Man coming this October. Which looks great. I think uh, so. Yeah, I think it looks fun. All right. Let's move on. That was enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you. We're start wrapping things up here. Let's do a little out now presentals out now. These are movies that are coming out on four K, Blu ray, DVD, streaming and all that stuff. First up on uh, for home media releases this week we have How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Feel free to give a yay or an eight of these as I kinda go through them. Uh, I like How great. to Train Your Dragon. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Didn't see uh, it. I, I did not see it myself. All right. Next is The Upside, the Untouchables remake of Kevin Hart. And, it's and Brian better Cameron. than The Untouchables, for what that's worth. Yeah. It made a weird amount of money. I, I missed it myself, but it, it did really it, well at the box office. It really did. Uh, yeah. This was a good season for uh, white guys, eccentric black guys teaching white guys a life lesson. Green Book, Upside, Glass. <laughs> glass? <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's see isn't it romantic no <laughs> all right uh trading paint this is another john travolta direct video movie doing a lot of these lately i think this one involves cars if i had to guess based on i hope title. it's just about them actually trading paint so they sit around the table <laughs> like oh my god you see this new brown i got like i got some cerulean blue for you <laughs> Do you see how many canisters I got out here? He only plays Saturday Night Fever John Travolta now. That's what he does in my in my eyes. As he's gotten older, he gets he gets younger in his age persona. Um, let's see. The PBS Les Miserables miniseries is out this week on Blu-ray for fans of that. Um, from Shout Factory this week, we have Earthquake with Charlton Heston. It's got a new Blu-ray release. Um, on Criterion, we have Let the Sunshine In. This is a Claire Denis film from last year with Julia Pinoche. On Kino, we have Nixon, the Anthony Hopkins, uh, Oliver Stone joint. And on Warner Archive, we have Shaft's Big Score and Shaft in Africa. Finally making a Blu-ray debut for Shaft completists. On 4K, Crank is on 4K now. There you go. The first Crank. Not Crank 2? <laughs> Just Crank? Is that this week on 4K? All right. Um, let's see. Uh, coming on Netflix this week. Uh, See You Yesterday, which we mentioned earlier in this show. That's up on Netflix now. Uh, Nailed It, Season 3, for fans of that. Uh, it's like it's a, a good show. It's, like a, it's a cooking it's show, but fun. it's funny, right? Yeah. It's so good. It, yeah. It, there are people that aren't remotely trained cooks trying to 
make pastries that look like the model pastry. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's very clever. It's fun. All right. Uh, let's see. Moonlight is now on Netflix for people that are trying to assemble their list for best films of the decade. Probably a good one to watch if you haven't seen it already. Um, and The Black Coat's Daughter. I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, the, this Oz Perkins directed horror film. It's on Netflix now, finally. But that's a good one. On Amazon Prime this week, we have Fleabag Season 2 for uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge fans. That's got a, It's a second season of the her her comedy. I'm looking for... I, I watched the first season, but it feels like it was so long ago. I, I probably will rewatch it before watching Season 2, but I, I really enjoyed it. They're like short seasons, too, right? They're yeah, like, it's like six, six episodes in a half hour, so it's probably not, not too hard to catch up. Um, but yeah, that's out now. Uh, let's move on to next week's show. Next week, we're talking Aladdin. Aladdin. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, I've been hearing things that sound actually promising, although I've I've never been one. I've I haven't been on the train yeah. of I need to speak poorly of this before I see it. I've just been more like I want to know what this is, and I'm happy to hear some positive things so far. But we'll see. We'll see when we get to it. And uh, last thing we do here: what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Alan Aguilera, what should people see in theaters right now? John Wick. What are you seeing next? Um. If it's not Aladdin, I'm probably going to see Rocket Man. Ooh, Booksmart. I really want to see Booksmart. All right. Scott Mendelson, which people go see right now? John Wick is excellent. He's playing now in a theater near you. Booksmart is very good. It opens on Friday. And God willing, in a few days, I'll be recommending Aladdin. Fingers crossed. All right. Silas Lesnick, where, where are you at? Which people see in theaters right now? I, I, I like John Wick a lot. Um I have not seen Booksmart yet, and I want to. I, I myself will go see that very soon. Um, but uh, yep. the next thing I'm going to see, I, I have a press screening this week for Dead Don't Die, which I, I cannot wait for. All right. I would recommend John Wick as well. Um, I will speak continue speaking up for nonfiction, the new SAS film. I think it's a very funny uh, French film that's uh, spread a little bit wider every week. Uh, so, yeah, that's if you can find it, it's out there. I really liked it. And, yeah, this week I got Aladdin. I got Booksmart. I got Rocket Man, so it's a lot of things. A lot of things going on in this crowded, crowded May and June. Um, but with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can also find all my written reviews over at We Live Entertainment, where I'm also putting together that site and a couple others. I have a lot of Godzilla content coming out this week. I, I had one last week that was a lot of fun. I got another one coming. Uh, so, yeah, if you're, if you're looking to read a lot about Godzilla, I got you covered. Um, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Uh, Scott Mendelson, where can people find more of you? Uh, Forbes.com. Uh, you can Google Scott Mendelson, Forbes, the ticket booth, or some combination thereof. I have a Facebook page. I have, uh, you know, Scott Mendelson. I have a Twitter page, uh, at Scott Mendelson. You bought all the rights. I get it. All right. Um, <laughs> next up, uh, Alan Aguilar, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Aldo Rain. That's M-R-A-L-D-O-R-A-Y-N-E. It's about the best place to find me liking other people's tweets. All right. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Silas Lesnick, where can people find more of you? Uh, um, I'm moviebill.com. I have some written things. Uh, I'm lately doing a lot of like augmented reality stuff. So if you download the Regal Cinemas app and scan movie posters, you'll see some strange things happen. Um, and then at the end of this month, I also uh, have, uh, I, I have produced some special features for two uh, silent films that are uh, getting a release through Flickr Alley that I'm really excited about. Oh, very cool. Uh, all right. Well, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron Abe on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. 
You can email us anything you want to talk about over at outnotpockets.gmail.com. Follow us on the, all the social medias, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are outnow underscore podcast. Facebook is facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. And last thing, of course, our Tumblr page where you can send a plenty of scary gifts of clowns. Do that, all all of that, plenty of that. Please give us all the scary clown gifts you can over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. I don't know how popular Tumblr is anymore, but I do like having it just for the sake of getting scary clown gifts to show Abe. So please help me out in that area. Uh, Alan, Scott, Silas, thank you all for joining me tonight to discuss John Wick. Yeah, man. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Great. Thank the listeners, as always, for tuning in for all this. Um, We'll be back next week going on a Magic Carpet ride. But until then, so long and goodbye. like that i think it's like you excommunicado it's like uh, yeah i guess i'm back again <laughs> that was your ian mcshane <laughs> forever yeah i think that's i think that's the trailer guns lots yeah. of guns yep there it is yeah that okay. one too then you yeah, have a random guy that walks into the continental what the hell's going on here i just wanted a room yeah. what is this place <laughs> it's a guy like he's wearing like red shorts he's got like a tank top his kids are behind him like fighting each other it's like i just want to get a room what's going on <laughs> I just wanted free HBO. <laughs> the wife's like on the cell phone, like yelling. It's like, did you get the room yet? <laughs> that has to happen to the TV show, by the way. Oh, yeah. On the Continental show? Yes. The, the sitcom with a laugh track featuring Lance Reddick as the, the wacky owner? Yes. That's when I pissed the Lionsgate. <laughs> it's going to be my Continental life with Zach and Cody. It's going <laughs> to be so good. It's going to be a Dunstan checks in riff. It should just be it. It should just be a hotel channel, and like every now and then, like an episode airs during it, but it's actually always on, and it's just like ads <laughs> for room service. And is there still a Continental show? Is that still a thing that's happening? They're working on it. Stars, right? After, after this box office weekend, weekend, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, after the weekend, I guess so, right? Yeah.